This is Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks, and welcome to my podcast series, The Voice of Leadership. Today we're talking about the light of Hanukkah because the Jewish holiday of Hanukkah is coming up this weekend. I want to just share some information about the history of that holiday and also some implications for us today. So let me go all the way back to about 222 to about 186 BC and talk about the time of Israel then, which was, for those of you who are Bible scholars, this took place in the intertestament period, meaning at the time that the Old Testament covenant was closed and the New Testament had not yet begun. At that point, Israel was part of the Syrian Greek Empire, and there had been a battle between Antiochus III, who was the king of Syria, and King Ptolemy of Egypt. And as it turned out, Antiochus won this battle and won the ability to annex the land of Israel to his empire. Under his rule, the Jewish people were actually oppressed. It was a very difficult time. Later in the history, Rome also got involved and actually exacted a lot of heavy taxes on Antiochus III, and his successor, which was his son, Seleucius IV, oppressed the Jewish people even more. So there was oppression from the Syrians. That was one difficulty during this time. And in addition, there were some of the Jewish people who had taken up league, if you will, with some of the Syrians And they were referred to as Hellenists because they were accepting some of the Gentile worship practices, including idol worship. And so the high priest at the time was really concerned about this. And the high priest, his name was Yohanan. He did not want the Hellenists to influence the worship practices of the Jewish people or to pollute the temple in any way. So as a result of the high priest's resistance, there were some of the Hellenistic Jews that told the Syrians that there was gold and there was wealth in the temple. And so under the reign of Seleucus and other of the Syrian leaders, they made attempts to come in and take the wealth of the temple out. Some of these attempts were thwarted and didn't actually happen. Later, however, after Seleucus was killed, his evil brother named Antiochus IV took over reign at that time. And this Antiochus was also referred to as Antiochus Epiphanes, which is a title that was applied to a number of the leaders at the time, but Epiphanes meant the gods, small g, beloved. So these are the false gods, the gods beloved. And this Antiochus IV was very harsh and very cruel. He did a lot to oppose the Jewish laws and to get rid of the religion And he removed Yohanan as the high priest and replaced him with the Hellenist brother of Yohanan, who was named Joshua, 
who later was also replaced by a person named Menelaus because Menelaus promised to provide even more money to the Syrians and the real high priest, Yohanan, ultimately was murdered. So this is the backdrop and this was the setting. So during this time, Antiochus IV was waging a campaign in Egypt and a number of the Jewish people thought that he had actually died. And so they ended up rebelling against Menelaus and chased Menelaus out. But then Antiochus IV comes back. And when he comes back, he outlaws most of the practices of the Jewish religion. And most of the really devout Jews had to move into the hills and the caves and out of the main part of the city just to preserve their life and also their worship practices. In that setting and in that scape, we see a priest come along whose name was Matit Yahu. And that particular priest refused to compromise the religious practices. And when the Syrian officials came to him and his family, he and his family in the cave where they were, they tried to force that priest to eat pork and to erect an altar and worship idols. Of course, he refused. They resisted, and they ended up having to kill some of the Syrian officials. So they knew that Syria was going to send more people against them. So Matid Yahu, before he died, he commissioned his sons, and he told them to follow the wisdom of one of their brothers, whose name was Shimon, and he was Shimon the Wise. And he also told them, follow your other brother in warfare. That's Judah the Strong. And Judah the Strong was called Maccabee. And Maccabee stood for a word that represented the first letters of four words. And those words were Kamoha Ba'alim Hashem. That is Kamoha Ba'alim Hashem, which essentially means, who is like you, O God? Under the leadership of these sons of Matit Yahu, Judah, the leader, actually led the people who came to be called the Maccabees, those who were truly following God at the time. Now, Antiochus IV wasn't happy about their resistance and wasn't happy about them, and he sent a number of different armies to fight against them. However, the Maccabees defeated all of those armies. Finally, he assembled a huge army of about 40,000 soldiers to go and fight against the Maccabees. Judah and the Maccabees went to Mitzpah, which is the same place where Samuel had assembled many years before. And in that setting, they prayed to God and they prayed to God for help because they wanted to defend the temple and the true worship of God. And believe it or not, they actually defeated the 40,000-member Syrian army. They then returned to Jerusalem to liberate the city, because remember, they're up in the hills now. They cleared the temple of all the false idols. They built a new altar, and the golden menorah had already been taken away. So they built another menorah that would hold the candles. It just wasn't gold anymore. But what they found is they only had enough oil to burn the candles for one day. However, this oil that they found, it bore the seal of the now murdered high priest, Yohanan. And by a miracle of God, that oil 
burned for eight days. It was that miracle and that sign that symbolized to the Jewish people that God was still with them and the worship of God was now restored. It didn't mean that all the troubles were over because there would be about six more months of actual fighting to clear away all of the enemies of the people of God in the surrounding nations, including in Syria. However, they were able to reclaim the land and they stood for God and God stood for them. So when you think of the light of Hanukkah, you can think of hope even in the darkness and the suffering of despair, remembering that God is actually with you. It's a reminder. I think there's some principles that we can take away from this story and this festival of lights and this celebration of Hanukkah. Number one, no matter what's going on, let's say you're in a business situation at work and people are wanting you to do something that's unethical or it's the wrong thing. Number one, be faithful to what is true and what is right. Number two, stand firm even when there's great opposition like that 40,000 person army, including opposition from within those who you thought were your friends or who should understand ethics, but who now are resisting, are standing on the side of what is wrong. So sometimes the enemy is not just those away from you and outside of you, but even those who you thought were your friends. Number two, stand firm, even in the midst of that strong opposition. Number three, be willing to sacrifice, including to die if necessary, because freedom is not free. There is a cost, and the cost is worth it when you're doing what is right. And number four, remember that God gives victory even in the midst of daunting circumstances. After all, he is the one who empowers and fights the battle. That is his battle. And then number five, see the Hanukkah lights. And remember, God is with you. Have a blessed Hanukkah and remember to keep the light burning. You've been listening to The Voice of Leadership with me, Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks. And I want to give a special thanks to jazz saxophonist Ron McMillan for granting us permission to use his gifted music on our show. Thanks for listening. And remember to go to my website, transleadership.com, for more strategies, insights, and leadership resources.